one of the delights that I have is reading doctor ministry applications. And I get to hear a little bit of what people are doing and how they're joining God on mission, how they're joining in in a whole variety of ministries. What I had was a Zoom conversation earlier this morning talking with a student about his work in Rwanda. And today we're going to hear about, a little closer to home, Berwick. Uh, in Grandview Manor, and uh, some of what... Uh, capital of the world. That's right. So I'm going to come and uh, invite Sarah to come, and we're going to have a conversation to give you a glimpse of some of what God is doing through the ministry of chaplaincy. And so I've had an opportunity to you know, read your application. Delighted to have you in our Doctor of Ministry program, and to have you back at KD Divinity College. Feel the gray hairs. <laughs> I'm delighted to start this incredible work. <laughs> so tell us a bit about your ministry context. So describe it for those who are gathered here to get a sense of what you do within the chaplaincy ministry that you're doing. When I first shared what I was going to be doing, uh, people who didn't know me thought it was a terrible idea. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you uh, for having me here. I also want to say uh, what a privilege it is to belong to this family. Uh, to meet here in this sanctuary, which actually is uh, a sanctuary, often in the literal definition of the world word, uh, when you come so stressed and so um, distracted to be able to meet in this well with you. I'm so honored to be a part of the ADC family and to give greetings as alumni uh, to you. Know that you are loved. You are prayed for continually by people you have never seen. Uh, so know that there's a, this great cloud of witnesses around you that hold you up uh, in your studies here. What I did um, uh, was try to avoid uh, working for God as much as I could in my life. I, I came to Acadia only to study scripture. I did not want to become a pastor. That was not on my agenda. I thought, I'm going to be a Christian all of my life, so why don't I just learn more about the Bible? Um, and then when I graduated with my MDiv, um, churches started calling me. Uh, nice churches, you know, first of such and such and first of such and such. And I thought, how long do I have to talk to them before I can say no? You know, and still be polite, you know? Um, and then uh, I, I went over to Scotland and, and taught as a rock climbing instructor, which my mother thought was an awful application of an MDiv. <laughs> but then I got the call from Bridgewater Baptist that I had no idea. I'd never, I had been to Bridgewater once in my life. And when you receive a call that's of God, you are excited and rush into it. Um, and serving there was such a joy. I thought I would retire there. Um, so when all of a sudden... I looked once in my entire time there about job postings and I saw the chaplaincy position at uh, Berwick. And instantly I knew that's what God wanted me to do. It was like, it was just, that, that was it. Uh, so what I am is I'm a chaplain at a long, oh, glory, what do they call it now? Long range, long term, term care, care facility. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Seniors' home. It comes with the gray hair, <laughs> and I love it. It is honestly like uh, I, I went to association meetings to share about chaplaincy because my position is paid for by association. So I'm not being paid directly by the manor. 
um, they welcome the chaplain in. So I was reporting to association and I was telling them what an amazing job it is. I said, look, this is this is the best. There's no committee meetings, <laughs> no evenings, no weekends. But this is the. I don't know why pastors aren't just hitting me with a baseball to the knees to get. One woman said to me, she's like, it might be the pay. Chaplaincy, what I was expecting was um, a beautiful relationship with people because I took um, a clinical program when I was at Acadia and I loved it. It was at, it was at the manor and I loved it. Um, so I was expecting a beautiful relationship with beautiful people um, and to have that, you know, that the history and all of that, I was expecting that. I was expecting to have a nice job. What I wasn't expecting was the weight of opportunity that God has placed in that place. I was not expecting what I would receive from the seniors in my role as chaplain. I was not expecting the confession that would come from women who I thought were very saintly. I remember this one woman said she wanted to come and speak with me. Um, she wanted, she said she was struggling with forgiveness, and I thought, oh, Lord, you know, like, what, what do you have? You know, you are the sweetest, kindest, gentlest, you know, member of the Bible study. What is, you know, what is possibly before you? But in that room with the door closed, and she just started to weep, um, and she said, I have to tell you something I've never told anyone in my entire life, you know. Um, and she said about an abortion that she had gone through in the 50s when this was all of a sudden available and she was under pressure. And she had never been able to say that to anyone. Not her family, not her pastor, because it was a small community. And the, the worst person possible you can imagine having to tell is the, the, the one person that, you know, was at the hub. Uh, and she said, I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to be received into heaven because of the blood that's on my hands. And I sat there and I thought, holy cow. You're like, what? Like this burden that this woman has been carrying for that many years reminds me of the woman with the, the bleeding uh, issue of blood and just reaching out to touch, to receive a word of grace. I also wasn't expecting um, the evangelism opportunity. So I was at Bridgewater for about 10 years in a regular pastoral position um, in youth and young families, so it had a lot of, a lot of different variety of uh, responsibilities. Uh, but I had no, I was not prepared to work in a secular environment um, where the title of chaplain holds a different um, societal perception of, as the title of pastor. And so I worked with a secular staff often who can't go to church because they work shift work. And it's very, very hard to get weekends off. This is something they battle all of the time. So even the committed Christians can't go to church, let alone those who are seekers. Um, so the staff who come into my office simply because I'm there and the door is open, they don't have time to seek anyone else out. But the door is open and they come in, and nurses have, have a disproportional um, average of being involved in abusive relationships or just attracting bad circumstances because they're naturally loving people and nurturers. Um, so the, in the evangelism opportunities with staff, I wasn't prepared for. Um, the evangelism opportunities with families who never had a church um, connection, 
the number of residents who came in who never darkened the door of a church, but because they're there, and because, you know, church is a, something to do, they arrive there and lives are being changed, and I wasn't prepared for that. There's nothing, um, I pray for you that you not be prepared for ministry, <laughs> as well as I was prepared for ministry, because it allows for a dependence on what God wants to do. Uh, I was, Acadia gave me uh, that, that basis that when, even though I did not take a single youth course, in fact, I said, you know, I'd rather pick apples and work with teenagers, right? Like, one of the worst of being a teenager is hanging out with teenagers. <laughs> you know, then I'm called to youth ministry, you know? Uh, I didn't take any of those special courses that my roommate took uh, in youth ministry, and yet God did something with this, you know, busted up vessel. Same with chaplaincy. Um, may you not be prepared, because if you are, you might do the work. Uh, and there might not be anything to come out of it. So my role as chaplain is mostly to be available. Um, and so I work, um, I do Bible studies and worship services, but the worship services are ecumenical. So in our worship service, we have Catholic, United, Presbyterian, Eastern Orthodox, Mormons, Jehovah's Witness, Atheist. We have, we have everybody gathered in one room. And there's so much fun because, like, pride is checked at the door, right? But at this point in your life, you just, like, you're there in your slippers. And, 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 and people are so appreciative and loving and open to uh, the gospel that in church services, you have to be. You're a bit confined. So it's a wonderful ministry uh, and one that I, I love. What's your question? <laughs> I have several. I'll try another one. <laughs> Besides uh, scriptures about slippers, uh, do you have other scriptures that uh, shape your approach to ministry in terms of chaplaincy in the sense of your, uh, and you've sort of alluded to many, even as you've shared your passion for the work that you do, things that have sort of informed how you do what you do? Uh, yeah, the... I would say as a scripture verse overall, um, overall, I, I would I have been going consistently over the, I'd say the last four years um, to the book of Colossians. Um, I, I keep getting drawn back into it. And what I find in it, I'll give this to you. I have two. I have two. One that speaks more to my people and one that speaks more to me. This speaks more to me. Uh, it says this. This is chapter one. Verse 24. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. And then I'll, I'll read down 28. It says, We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling. I like that. <laughs> to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and those who have not met me per personally. 
My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. So that that um, that would be my scripture, um, in the sense of struggle is to be expected uh, and not a sign of um, poor leadership. Um, that struggle is something that you should embrace as something that uh, is normal, and also that. Um, your struggle is only a vessel for God's grace to be shown to others. The verse I'd like to share with you from my people um, is Psalm 71. And in that, I, I would like to suggest that with seniors, we have a lot of ageism in the church. Um, and uh, where I will, uh, Sunday mornings I'm free because our service is in the afternoon, so I do pulpit supply for different churches. And I'll go to these little churches, and they'll apologize to me the moment I walk through the door. And they'll say, I'm so sorry, all we have is gray-haired people here. And I'll say, I like gray-haired people. <laughs> but there's that sense of failure. Um, there's the sense of being old is, means being worthless and having no purpose. And so uh, this is the, the scripture that I hold up to the people for the purpose of Christ that they still have on their heart. And it's... In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Rescue me and deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear towards me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can go. For you have been my hope, O sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You have brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. Verse 14 says, But as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all day long, though I know not its measure. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. Since my youth, O God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Uh, and in that, I would, um, I would hold up the purpose of um, the, the mission uh, in our church uh, and the mission among seniors that still have a role and a purpose who still are learning their identity in Christ uh, and still have something to do uh, and not simply be a burden uh, to the church itself. So those are two scriptures that I would I would hold up. Thank you. That's wonderful. What are you've shared some highlights? You've shared some scriptures that shape some of your ministry. What about some of the challenges you face that, in terms of chaplaincy ministry? Chaplaincy, you're often alone. Um, whereas in church ministry, you're you're really part of a broader team, even if you're a solo pastor, there's that deacons, elders component. Whereas chaplaincy, really, uh, you're on your own, which has its benefits. Um, so it, the benefits of that are, I always say to the nurses, I'm Switzerland, because there's often conflicts among the staff, uh, and everyone can come to me. So the, 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 the director of administration, she comes to me and talks to me, and also sort of at every level of, uh, and it's a very classified system. Um, but the downside of that is you are your own. So unless you are disciplined in applying 
yourself, you can fall into a trap of being alone. Um, so it requires a broader um, partnership, and so of chaplains outside of your institution um, would be one of the downsides. Um, I can't think of another. I'm sure there are, but it's really a lovely, a lovely opportunity. But you are often alone. Are there suggestions that you have for us in terms of praying for you as a chaplain, for other chaplains, or for praying for those with whom you work? Um, yes, for, uh, I would encourage each of you to be chaplains. So whatever role God calls you to, um, to be, look at opportunities for chaplaincy within that. Uh, for example, um, Reverend Dr. Ida Armstrong Whitehouse, who has the longest name, um, at her time in Bedford, she was a chaplain for the RCMP. Um, and so when something in the community came up, uh, like the Swiss Air disaster, she was the person who was called uh, because the police knew her. They don't know every pastor in, in the area. They're not just going to call somebody up. They call the people they trust. Um, so that was her role as a chaplain. And it was above and beyond a very heavy weight of responsibility. Um, when I was a student here, I was a chaplain for the International Gospel Choir, which I don't think exists anymore, but it was a large group of international students. And what that did for me was it took me out of my cultural context and put me in a very different community environment. So to be a chaplain, whether it's for uh, the army, whether it's for a business, it gives you opportunity to get out of the holy bubble and to get into uh, where God can really use you. So I'd encourage you to become a chaplain. Um, I'd encourage you to connect in with the chaplains that might be in your area because they can be great resource connectors uh, when something does go wrong or to, uh, to enable uh, community um, support cohesion. Uh, pray, for, um, pray for those who are seeking that can't come to church. So please be in prayer for all of those sectors that uh, it's nothing to do with Sunday shopping. They just can't come. So in your ministries, make room for. Uh, in your small group sessions, make room for. I know one nurse was kicked out of her small group at church because they made a covenant that you had to attend so many sessions. You know what I mean? Like because they're trying. You know, you see the point of that. You know, they're trying to commitment, but she's. What can she do? She's a single mother. She can't turn down shifts. Um, so be aware and make room for those who are outside of your community that are desperately seeking, that might not come to you. Um, and uh, so I would say that would be my biggest prayer concern, uh, uh, is those people who are on the outside, who are so thirsty and interested and open. As a pastor, I sort of assumed that people didn't like the church. Do you know what I mean? Like you sort of like you, you come with hesitancy, but people are, it's like the fields are white in the world. Working in a secular environment, I'm astounded how many people want to have that conversation and they just need somebody to ask them, care for them, and be there, present. Well, thank you, Sarah. It's been great to have this conversation and to um, ask a few questions and let you share your passion for what you do and your vision for that. And 
when I was doing my quiet time this morning and praying for Sarah and for our time today, I was thinking of a verse that came to mind from James uh, chapter 3 at the end, verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And I was praying that for Sarah and her ministry, for her to have wisdom as she gets involved in these complex family dynamics, and that she would continue to be used by God to sow seeds of peace where she is. And so we want to have an opportunity now for Dr. Gardner to pray for her and to pray for some of the other prayer things that uh, she has raised for our awareness uh, to keep in prayer. Thank you. Sarah's husband is John Scott, our organist at the university, for those who didn't know. She has two of the most beautiful daughters that you could ever imagine. And they're always good. <laughs> I've enjoyed a visit in my office. It must be time for another one. Let's stand together and pray. This is a prayer. If you feel comfortable, you can just extend a hand toward Sarah's a sign of blessing, God's blessing upon her. Representative of all kinds of people who serve as chaplains and these roles. Let's pray. Father, you have given to Sarah a wonderful heart for people. And for this particular group of people at the manor in Berwick, may your blessing be upon her and your strength be made perfect in her weakness. And in those places where she does not know what to say or exactly what to do next, help her to be present, first of all, to you, and then present in all those conversations with those who are residents and their families, with those who are staff, who are struggling. For administration and administrators, may she be ever-present to listen to reflect well, to perhaps nudge along uh, someone closer to you, and when those opportunities come to lead people to Christ, may she just gently be able to be that bridge that allows a person to come into that wonderful relationship with you. Bless her in her ministry, Lord, not only at the manor, but as she has opportunities to preach in churches, and these days we pray too as she begins her doctor of ministry program here at the college. May your blessing be with her. Be with John and their daughters. Bless their home, their family life. And may all these things work together, Lord, for good. For your blessing in her life and to the honor and glory of Jesus, we pray in his name.